Roger. Illegal substitution, too many men on the field, Saskatchewan. Gizmo has a block in the sideline. He has not stepped out, he may go all the way. He needs one block and he'll do it easily. Promise mess I wouldn't do this. McDavid stops up, what a move, shoots, scores! Hey everybody, welcome to The Outsiders, powered by the Macintosh Group at Remax River City. I'm Bryn Griffiths, he's Robin Brownlee. Look who's joining us. Yes, from 630 Chet and Sportsnet, it's the Oilers' voice, Jack Michaels. Jack, how you doing? Good to see you guys again. It's been a while. It has been way too long. We were just talking about that last week. We, we should have had you on way sooner than this, but is there any better day than the first day of the Stanley Cup playoffs? Well... I'm a little distracted, I'm going to be honest, because that thing behind you, I'm starting to see a spaceship or something. I don't know what's going on, Are but you it's talking freaking about, me out. You're talking about this thing behind me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just... If you if you look close enough, I'm starting to see visions. Yeah, because... back, back from the college days. Robin, we all remember those days, huh? Oh, yes, yes. Hey, hey look, Jack, uh, everybody in this town obviously is talking about the Oilers and the Kings opening up tonight at Rogers place. One minor thing I want to ask you about before we get into the meat and potatoes, though, I noticed out there fans have started a petition saying we want Jack. We want Louie. Uh, <laughs> it's not as, it's not as simple as that. Um, but what I would say is this, and, and I would assume you maybe take it the same way. I think it's a great compliment to the work that you and Louie have done to this point. And now when it's the fun really begins for the hardcore fans, they're saying, Hey, we'd like Jack and Louie. Uh, that's not going to happen tonight. Well, what can you tell us about it? Well, I mean, you know, again, I'm, I'm flattered to some degree, but I also feel like, uh, you know, I, it puts me in a tough position because I certainly don't want to be disrespectful to my colleagues out there. And, you know, I, I, I get it. I, I think people obviously, you know, get familiar with the team and they want to see that team continue in perpetuity, but that's not the way network television works. And, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, being reunited with my partner, Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad and the Oilers radio network. And I don't view it as a step down or a demotion. I'm just as excited to, you know, pursue what's ahead for the team in that medium as I would have on Sportsnet, to be candid with you. And for Perfect. you, if this team was to do the unthinkable or the thinkable and do the run all the way to the cup final, you'd be doing play-by-play of that, whereas on television – there's a number one crew, and that's Craig Simpson and Chris Cuthbert. You'd be pushed back then anyway. So here you get an opportunity to get right back in there and have some fun with it, and we know you're going to have fun with it. Well, I mean, that is a, an excellent point, and that's the way, you know, we kind of uh, structured this deal is so that, you know, when the games mattered, I wouldn't be, you know, left there hang, hang in the bag. So I, I'm I'm totally at peace with whatever decision Sportsnet wants to make because I know that when the games really matter, I'm still going to have an opportunity to call them. And that was always the most important thing for me is to be part of the club uh, the whole season through. And, and by part of the club, I mean a very periphery part of the club. But, 
you know, when you follow something, you don't want to ever put the brakes on it until you see it come to its completion. I know Robin has had this experience, like it'd be the equivalent of Robin getting yanked off the beat, uh, you know, in the second round against Colorado or in all those playoff matchups against Dallas. You know, you don't work for the whole season not to be able to get uh, some taste of the playoffs. And so, uh, you know, for me, radio is always going to be my first love. I feel like the one thing about this, you know, assignment on Sportsnet the last two years is it's really helped me sharpen up, I think, in both mediums. I don't think it's weakened me in either. I think it's made me focus and understand on a day-in, day-out basis what my audience is and what they're asking for. You know, it's funny, too. And there, let, let's just strike the uh, difference between unlikely, as Bryn said, and impossible. This is the shirt from the 2006 Stanley yes, Cup is. final. <laughs> and uh, so that was unlikely, and it was a hell of a lot of fun. Let's jump ahead to today, Jack. Uh, whoever's calling the game, let's talk about the guys that matter, and that's the hockey club. When I look at this Oilers group, and I've looked at from afar, I'm not a beat man anymore, Um I think this is the best club they've put on the ice since that 2006 uh, Stanley Cup final team. I like Hyman. I like Kane. I like the growth of the young players. And, of course, there's the two guys at the top of the marquee. When you look at this club going into this first game of the first round, what do you see? Well, I tend to defer to the players as you do, Robin. And when Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's the longest tenured oiler, says this is the deepest club we've had, I'm willing to take that as face value. I mean, they've got 10 guys in double-digit goal scoring, two others that finished with nine. There's production up and down the lineup. There's guys on your fourth line who've produced in the playoffs before, like Zach Cassian. There's guys on your fourth line who I think could be a tremendous wild card, like Ryan McLeod, who's the one guy on the team that can probably keep up with Connor McDavid on a regular basis. And I think Jay Woodcroft has constructed a lineup where it's malleable. If you want to play Ryan Nugent Hopkins at center, you can. If you want to play Ryan McLeod at center, you can. You can move both those guys to left wing if you need to. You can slide even if you go Evander Kane with Connor McDavid in the middle. You can bring Leon Dreisaitl over on the right side for a shift at the tail end of a penalty kill or to wrap up a period. We've seen that in recent weeks. It's a malleable lineup with a ton of guys who can play center and all three forward positions. I think back to actually, it's interesting playing Los Angeles, a conversation I had with Todd McClellan about seven years ago when he was still coach of San Jose. He goes, if I was a general manager, I'd draft all centers, all centers. And you know, we'll figure it out from there. And think about that team. You know, often you had three guys who played center for most of their career on the same line, Marlo, Thornton, and Pavelski. So I, I like the versatility of this lineup and really the underrated aspect for me is the depth on defense. Yeah. All of a sudden, this is a legitimate NHL defense where Darnell Nurse is kind of the junior member. Everyone else has played six, 700 games. Brett Kulak, you could say, all right, well, he hasn't. 
But what has he done recently? Oh, yeah, he was part of a Montreal club that went all the way to the Stanley Cup final last year. Chris Russell can fall out of bed and give you 15 minutes if you need to. They used to say that about Al Oliver. He could fall out of bed and hit 320. (laughs) That's what Chris Russell can do for you on the back end. Cody Ceci has been better than I thought he was. And, and, uh, you know, Duncan Keith, I mean, these are plus players. These are guys that have had playoff uh, experience aplenty in the past. I think now is where Duncan Keith might really earn his money. And then you've got Evan Bouchard, who I think came to the wire like a thoroughbred. I thought perhaps his best 10 games of the year were the final 10 games of his career. So, or final 10 games of the season. So he's now over hundred in his career. I like this club. I do. Having said that, they've accomplished in their own mind nothing at this point. Right. It's the second season. What they do in May and June will ultimately determine where this team falls on the mantelpiece, which, as you know, in Edmonton is pretty crowded. Jack, when we take a look, I guess we're going to do comparables to 2006 here. When we take a look back at that that run, Dwayne Rollison came in and just you know lit the world on fire in the final month, and they get in with a couple of games to go, and then they do some damage against the President's Trophy winners in Detroit, and then it just keeps it keeps escalating from there. The goaltending here, everybody's been worried about it all season long, yet it has been really solid here since Woodcroft has come on board to the point where I'm not as concerned about it all of a sudden as I was, let's say, three months ago. But what's your take on that? Well, I... You know, why would you be? I mean, Ken Holland's vision was ultimately proved to be correct, which is when fully healthy. And that is a big if. I mean, especially when you're dealing with Miko Koskin and Mike Smith, which is, I think, 73 years a goaltender. You know, Mike Smith wasn't healthy for the first three months. Miko Koskinen carried the mantle, got on a couple of hot streaks. Mike Smith came back, struggled. Koskinen gave him another hot streak. And then the season kind of turned on a dime when Miko Koskinen, who I think was on a 12-2-2 tear, came down with an illness, non-COVID related, and Mike Smith got hot in California. For the first time in the history of the franchise, they ran the table in California, Anaheim, San Jose, L.A., admittedly not as strong this year, but nevertheless, that got Mike Smith's season going, and he's kept it up ever since, and now he's within one of Grant Fuhrer's club record of 10 consecutive winning starts established in 1986. Other than that, Bren, though, I mean, I'd have to say this doesn't feel like a comparable. I mean, that Edmonton club in 2006 got in, I believe, and Robin's the expert here, game 81, yep. and yep. – not expected by many. I mean, I think Euler fans understood this club was starting to come together, but I'm, not many people at Edmonton over Detroit. I'm sorry. No. And and the fact of the matter is Edmonton's a favorite. I, I think Edmonton, quite frankly, you look at their record inside the division. I don't know how you'd necessarily make Calgary a favorite over Edmonton if they meet in the second round and Calgary won the division. I mean, I, to me, that's, that's a toss-up bare minimum. Uh, And in this series, though, what you have to pay attention to is the fact that the Oilers went on this tremendous run and are playing so well right now, second only to Minnesota, uh, you know, in the last two months of the year. And yet they finished five points ahead of Los Angeles. Five points. Yeah. Best regular season the Oilers have put together in 35 years. 
And yeah, LA's without Drew Doughty, but they were without him the last three months of the year. They yep. finished five points behind. So Edmonton's a favorite, but if you're thinking about putting the cart before the horse, I want it. Well, I'll tell you, Jack, it's funny. And I'll just reiterate, I think Bob has probably made reference to this stuff uh, 117 times. Bob and I picked the Oilers to beat Detroit in 06. Yes. That, that's not because we're smarter than anybody. God knows that's not the case. But the, they were all wrong for Detroit. They, they Detroit didn't want to play the way the Oilers could play. I like the Oilers against the Kings for that reason. I think if the Oilers rev it up, uh, you know, it's not going to be chalkboard hockey per se, but call it a track meet if you want. I don't think the Kings can stay with them. Uh, I don't think Kopitar at this age or anybody else can play the high-end defensive game, and I don't think they can get in the way enough when the, when those forward lines are moving. Um, I just don't like the matchup for the Kings. They're a good hockey club. I just don't like the matchup. How about well, you? Well, the key for the Kings is going to be how, in my opinion, their most consistent line all year is actually their second line, that Philip Deneau. Now, it's yeah. interesting. Victor Arvidsson missed the last couple of practices. He's expected to play, but he and Moore uh, have, have given L.A. a real solid second line and kind of strengthened the Kings down the middle. I mean, yeah. Philip Deneau leaving Montreal and going to L.A., I think there's a reason the two seasons when, and everyone's going to say Carey Price, I'm telling you, L.A. made a huge acquisition there, and I don't think Montreal understand what it was losing in Philip Deneau. Yeah. So here's, what I, here's how I see the series playing out, Robin, perhaps a little bit differently than you might think. The Kings' strength all year long, and Tom McClellan tr- talked about initially kind of bucking at this reputation and then understanding that it's part of the organization's spine is check, check, check. That's how they won the titles in 12 and 14. Mm -hmm. And that is a principle that I think LA's organization, you can now say rests, a a foundation, if you will. I think Edmonton, which has been patient all year in close games and their record in one goal games and in overtime would suggest that they are, their patience is going to be put to the test. And here's why I like the matchup, Robin. And it is related to what you talked about. I think in a 1-1 game where a team will get, let's say, six scoring chances in the last 25 minutes, and that's all you're probably going to get if L.A. plays the way it's capable of. But here's where I like Edmonton's elite finish. You talked about McDavid dry settle. No one on the Kings roster is going to get that. And if they get four of those six chances – my money is on Edmonton preps getting two of those six chances to go in and L.A. getting one of those six chances to go in. And as Daryl Sutter would tell all of us, in a 3-2 league, that math adds up to an Edmonton victory. I think this is going to be potentially a lower-scoring series than many people believe, but because of the infrequency of scoring chances, not the frequency, I like Edmonton because of that elite finish and the depth of scoring we've talked about. Jack, when we compared to last year's playoffs where the Oilers were swept by the Winnipeg Jets in a series that could have easily gone either way, the goaltending was pretty close. Hellebuck maybe just a little bit better than Mike Smith. The forward guys couldn't quite get it going because the back six or the bottom six guys were not able to contribute enough. This is a different bottom six with the Edmonton Oilers this time around. 
Well, and what the acquisitions of Kane and Hyman have meant, and Robin talked about that at the outset, is there is no real temptation anymore to do what Edmonton did last year. Yeah. And that is after most of the regular season, keeping McDavid and Drysaddle separate, they went to McDavid and Drysaddle on a, the same line for much of that Winnipeg series. And I'll tell you what, if LA sees that, they're going to know they've got a, a foothold in this series right. and that Edmonton is making a move they don't want to make. But I don't see Jay Woodcroft having to do it because, again, you've got Hyman and Kane. You know, they're d- two different types of power forwards. Hyman yeah. is kind of that slippery guy who finds his way into the blue paint. And Kane is is the old, you know, the, the bull in the Merrill Lynch uh, China shop back in the mid-1980s. You know, he he's going there, whether you want him there or not. And he powers the puck into the net. That's what I like about Evander Kane. Everything he does is power. There is no tap-in for Evander Kane. You know, a couple of the ones on the doorstep, he shoots into the net like he's taking the shot from 55 feet instead of five feet. Uh, there's a certain vengeance there in the Oilers' top six that I don't think was there. And a, a certain finish And that's why I think, Bryn, and it's related to to some degree to the bottom six, but when you're able to now have McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins down the middle, that's as strong as any four centers in the league. And again, Ryan McLeod is your fourth line center with that kind of speed and that kind of versatility to play penalty kill, second power play unit. I think he could be a real X factor, not only in this series, but in the entire postseason. Jack, I've got to ask you, because we could spend a lot of time on, I think Evander Kane's been a tremendous ad, and I've like, I just like Zach Hyman. He's the Swiss Army knife. He can do a lot of things. But tell us what you've seen uh, with Jay Woodcroft. I had all the respect in the world uh, for Dave Tippett, and for a lot of the coaches who've been through here in recent years. I mean, I covered the Kamloops Blazers with Ken Hitchcock as their coach, but he seems to have this group playing with each other and for each other in a way I haven't seen. And this is a rookie coach, not rookie to the NHL, but a rookie coach running his own bench in the National Hockey League. Uh, He's been impressive as hell to me. What do you see, though? Well, I see him dragging everyone on the roster into the actual game. And that's something that at times you didn't see with Dave Tippett. You saw a lot of 25, 26 minute nights with McDavid and Dreisaitl and 28, 29 minute nights with Darnell Nurse. Those minutes have come down steadily under Jay Woodcroft. He has revived the career, for instance, of a Derek Ryan. He has given more minutes to Ryan McLeod. And that's why I don't think you'll see the cut down to nine forwards and four defensemen in a triple overtime game the way we saw last year in Winnipeg. One is the depth is greater and, and there's more tools at Jay Woodcroft's toolbox. But even when Dave Tippett was here and had some of those weapons, 
I still felt like there was a reliance on the top six and the top four that isn't necessarily the same type of deal with Jay Woodcroft. And and that's one of the reasons you've seen him go to the 11 forwards and seven defensemen. It's another way to equitably distribute the minutes and keeping everyone fresh and keeping everyone engaged and keeping everyone in the game. Because when you're sitting on the bench and you haven't played in two or three periods, or you've played a spot shift here and there, unless you're Peter Klima, you can't reasonably expect to do, you know, anything when the chips are down. I think moving forward into this postseason, you're going to see a lot of guys that will be called upon if there's extra time needed that at least have played 10 to 12 minutes so they won't be ice cold on the bench. we got about 30 seconds here. So who do you like in the series and in how many games? You know, I don't want to overthink this one. I think home ice advantage means as much to Edmonton as it does any team in the National Hockey League. And let's be candid. I'm not taking the Oilers off the hook for what's happened the last two years. But the bottom line is there weren't any fans in the building. Now, that may not mean, in my opinion, and and this is going to sound a a little geocentric, but I'm sorry, I I don't believe it means the same to Tampa Bay as it does to Edmonton. I'm sorry. I refuse to believe the energy that will be palpable in the building tonight. A kind of energy that says game six against Anaheim. Jack, I don't care whether it's on the radio. Just shut up. No one can hear you anyways for the last 30 seconds of a hockey game. (laughs) And you just let the crowd tell you what's going on and people can figure it out. That is not an atmosphere that's easily captured in any other building across the National Hockey League. So if I factor in home ice and the fact that Edmonton on paper has a better hockey club, why confuse the issue? Yeah. Edmonton in five. Okay. Now, before you go, I'm just bringing another, uh, our next guest is going to be joining us here in a second. Uh, and he's joining us from the city to the south of us. And that is the, uh, the longtime color commentator. This guy is uh, pretty fantastic. Peter Labardius is going to join us from Calgary. How, Jack, while Peter is hooking up, how do you see yes. that series with the Calgary Flames? I guess a team that we didn't think they were going to play in the Dallas Stars. All of a sudden, that's going to be a lot of fun. Well, I'll be curious to see what Peter you know, says about that series. Because as we've talked about, I don't know how Calgary feels. But I don't think there's a favorite in that series. I honestly don't. I'm not disrespecting Calgary. I know they won the division going away. I think it's very easy, though, to look at all four of those games and say, you know what? Calgary wasn't what it became in the first two matchups. And the Oilers, first of all, a 9-5, I think, by definition, has to be characterized categorized as a one-off, right? There's not going to be nine, five games unless this turns into what was it, Robin, the 85, uh, (laughs) the 85 Campbell final against Chicago. I don't see that happening. And then the other game was a game where Edmonton was down eight regulars. And Peter and I talked about that before the game. Hey, I wish everyone was at full strength. And I'm sure, again, you look at the first two, Calgary was not what it, eventually became. I don't think there's a favorite in this series. Calgary's going to have all mice if it does come to fruition, but I would not feel comfortable if I was Calgary saying, well, the Flames should win this series. 
I think it is a toss up in the truest sense of the word. If I'm Vegas, I'm saying the money line is zip. I know you got to get down to a morning skate. Peter, do you have a response to that before we let, uh, we let Jack go? Well, it, it's great to see you guys to begin with. Thank you. Um, second of all, I wasn't sure if you were talking about the Dallas Calgary matchup. Or... No, Calgary's a heavy favorite in that one. Uh, I don't know about that either, to be honest. But uh, you know, we'll see how that plays itself out. Jack, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I really don't. Um, I, I think if and when it happens, there will be an incredible amount of pressure on both teams. Um, you know, both teams at that point will have won a series, which I think is very crucial for both their mindsets because in the two respective markets, they feel right now, like they have two pretty good teams, but I I think there's, and for good reason, there's some underlying feeling that until you do it, at least that's how I look at it. You haven't done it. Um, there's no question in my opinion, uh, I think in the Los Angeles Kings who have had an amazing year, Todd McClellan is going to be on my ballot for the Jack Adams. That's how good a job I think he has done. Um, but like you said, like, I don't bet, thank God, cause I got enough problems without betting. <laughs> I always joke. What is it today? We're sponsored by bet three, six, nine or three, six, 12 or whatever the hell it is. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's as even as even can get. And I like the Oilers team a lot. I like how they've been playing. Um, they certainly have the most elite players in the series, but you know, it's funny because, you know, Jack, I don't know how much attention you paid to the, to the 80s and early 90s. And while we'll never get that again, if that series happens, it kind of reminds me of what it was like back then in the sense that, you know, Edmonton had all the star power, but Calgary was just a good, big, hard team to play against. Yeah. So, you know, I got to tell you, I might be on an island, I can't decide yet whether I want it to happen or not. If it was not in the social media era, I would say yes. (laughs) But it is going to be a gross show of humanity in this province. Yeah. And you know what? There might be fight. I mean, even the vendors might be fighting, to use a word from Slapshot. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, it'll be something. It'll be something. See, that's where that's where Peter, you can tell, is a better person than I, because I will revel in that show of inhumanity. I, I thirst for it. Peter's repulsed by it. I find myself almost gravitating toward it. I, I can't help it. You know, you can take the dirt bag out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but sorry, you know. And Peter, I, 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 I like I'm a Western it, Pennsylvania guy. Like I'm I, not gonna. I feel I'm, this way about the Flyers. I want the Flyers to go 0 and 82 every game. I well, do. I, I can understand that. See, but listen, I'm a ma- I'm a massive fan of you, Mr. Michaels. But you just sounded like Philadelphia right there. <laughs> That's what somebody from Philadelphia would say. The yeah. the city of brotherly love, my ass. Yeah, no, I'm. How with about you. the city of edge? That's what I call Philadelphia. Yeah, no, Pittsburgh, a much cleaner, much more. I like, I like in all sincerity, not just because it's you, 
when when I started traveling many moons ago in the NHL, Pittsburgh, you know, you grow up watching it on TV as a kid, and you think Pittsburgh, it's it's like Hamilton. Yeah. No, no it's not like Hamilton in any way, shape, or form. It's frankly, uh, when we were traveling, one of my favorite stops on the on the program. I love the Golden Pittsburgh. Triangle. You betcha. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's it- awesome. In fairness, when I grew up in the 80s, it was a bit of a concrete jungle. It has been revitalized uh, starting in the mid to late 1990s. So I think it's still paying for that reputation that it did somewhat earn in the 70s and 80s when the steel mills first shut down and and Pittsburgh went through a transition where it was trying to discover itself. But the green space that's now been established there and just the general cleanup they've done in no small part due to the addition of of three tremendous ballparks and 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 I should say sporting sites, Uh, (laughs) the new Penguins Arena and then the gorgeous uh, Heinz Field and the Pirates Ballpark, PNC Park, which is the best ballpark in Major League Baseball, even though it's no unbelievable. one goes. Yeah, even though yeah. no one goes, but you got the Clemente Bridge. I mean, it's it's a beautiful spot. Uh, it, it is it is interesting though because I do. Uh, that's how I got interested in the Oilers to begin with, Peter. You know this. You know, I, I couldn't stay. I couldn't stand the Flyers and my rooting interest back then as I rooted, I rooted against as much as I did rooted for. So I started becoming quite familiar with the Oilers because they were beating the two teams I detested the most, the Philadelphia Flyers and the Boston Bruins, a bias that will occasionally creep in if you pay close enough attention. The other difference between Peter and I, he's flanked by the gentle uh, tunes of Eric Clapton and Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Meanwhile, I got hopped up for this appearance on the podcast with a steady supply of Dr. Feelgood and Welcome to the Jungle. So, <laughs> You got a morning skate to get to. You're welcome to stay as long as you want, but I know you got to get down there. Peter's going to get enough of me, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks. So I'm going to do him a favor and sign off so he can get a breather, and then he's going to see more of me, hopefully, in a couple of weeks than he wants to. Okay, well, it's, let's uh, it, It's not you I'm concerned about in that clash, but <laughs> <laughs> I have a hunch, and I think we all know who Peter's talking about. Oh, listen, about. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing, though. I it's will take the fifth. Thing. I will take the fifth before I get myself in trouble. Oh, Cheers, man. guys. All right, Jack, Good thanks. Luck. We'll, Jack. we'll let you see, see your it. way out. We'll see you at the, uh, at the arena tonight. Thanks again. Great seeing all of you. Cheers. Okay, Enjoy. So there he goes. Wow. It just, you know, I'm jacked up about two weeks from now, but uh, both teams in Alberta have got some work to do beforehand. <laughs> And they now do. Peter joins us, obviously, uh, from Sportsnet 960, the fan in Calgary. A big series coming up. I did not think it was going to be Calgary and Dallas. But then again, I didn't think Nashville was going to have a complete meltdown on the final oh night of the regular goodness. season. Oh, my God. How do you blow a 4 nothing lead? We, we, can, we can talk about that all we want, but it's the Dallas Stars. People up here... And Edmonton are thinking that's an easier run for the Calgary Flames, but it's the playoffs, Pete. Anything can happen. You know, there's there's a lot of elements about Dallas that I really, really like. You know, they're they're deep, they're big, they're fast in the likes of Rope Hints and Jason Robertson. They really have a couple of young people who, in a sense, have taken the offensive mantle away from 
Tyler Sagan, and of course their captain, Jamie Benn. Um, 37-year-old Joe Pavelski is really, he's a wonder. He is a true wonder of the sport. You know, nearly 80 points again this season at 37 years of age. Uh, I like a lot of their pieces on defense. Jake Ottinger, you never know, right? Yeah, he's, absolutely. He's a really good goalie. Um, but the playoffs is a different animal. You know, these teams have had nothing but one goal games in their first three meetings. They had an excellent playoff series in your city in the bubble a couple of years ago. I, I don't, you know, Calgary's a really good team, and I'm not making light of it or try to undersell it. But I, until, until UC Saros got hurt, right? I might have actually preferred Nashville. Really? Yes. Yes. I'll ask why. Um, I think I think Dallas playoff wise in the last few years is more battle tested. Okay. Um, I think they have good pieces that match up well against Calgary. Dallas is a funny team in, in this regard. Um, maybe I should say that Dallas would have been a better choice because they've been an enigma for me, guys. There, there are some nights that they look like the good Lord and Savior, and then the next night they look like one of the disciples, as I like to say. Um, they, 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 when they are good, though, they're really good. And, and the scary thing for me is Jamie Benn is not the same guy that he used to be, but this is the time of year yeah. that, that he looks forward to. He loves – big body hockey. If that guy figures it out to go along with the kids and their depth down the lineup with a bunch of good role players, who know how to, you know, to be frank, fellas, there's a lot of similarities between those two teams. Peter, you, you, you see these guys every day. I really liked, uh, I thought Cal Calgary became this year, uh, what I thought they might become, last year when Daryl arrived. Uh, although there's been enough changes that this this group is better suited to play how Daryl wants yeah. to play. But when you've got a guy like Kachuk, who's now more than a pain in the ass, he's a hundred point pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I say little Johnny Goudreau, and that's not meant to make him sound like a school kid. That's a hell of a year, contract year for him. It doesn't matter why he had it. He had it. Um, this team is not just uh, uh, play heavy, wait for the breaks team. This team has some components that it didn't have before, at least players performing at a level that we haven't seen before. Well, Robin, I probably want to start with your first comment. And your first comment is, yes, a lot of the same core remains. But what was added in the summer doesn't get enough credit in my estimation from the outside. So in good Branson and Nikita Zadorov on the back, mm -hmm. you have a completely different element on defense that you did not have. Big you tough. didn't, you haven't had that element on your defense since Derek England left years ago yep. for Vegas. So you completely change. Oliver Shillington has come in and found his way, which was one of the big surprises. So yeah. I'd start right there.
but, but even more so, um, you know, we've known one another for a long time and, and all our chats would suggest that we're always usually pretty close on the same page at how we look at some things. And, you know, I have yet to meet a coach and, and Daryl's a great one, make no mistake about it. But the big thing is, does your group buy into what is being sold? So when you added, you know, good veteran people and you brought in a Trevor Lewis and then you added Tyler Toffoli um, to go along with some of your excellent veterans, like Tanev and Markstrom guys, forget about what they do on the ice. Right. With with a full year under their belt where they're not in separate – like these guys have really become great leaders, let alone great players. And, and with Mark, you know, leaving the Ness, Giordano, the leadership had to change here. And I think it's a – and there is only one leader in my mind, and that's the coach. So – by getting Lewis and, you know, guys who have played for Daryl before, they know how to do it. And in a world where we look at the young stars and assume they know how. Right. It helps. And, and so in Calgary this year with the additions, they've had some great people to, you know, when Daryl's tough and he's beyond tough. They have guys in that room to go, hey, listen, this works. We saw it early and often. Get through it. Get through it, and these guys know how to do it. So, yes, the top line for good reason. And the guy, by the way, on the top line that never gets enough credit is Lindholm. Totally. Elias Lindholm totally. is this team's, for me, best and most important forward. He does everything peter he always he seems did. to score the big goal at the right time for the hockey club and guys one of the reasons i don't want to take anything away from matthew and johnny they're great players yeah. and they've had incredible seasons but it, it's like any other good team or good line when you have somebody that glues it all together and allows those guys more freedom offensively because this guy does all the heavy lifting and does it I think in a Selkie trophy manner, you know, for me at this point, he's, he really is to me the next coming of Patrice Bergeron. And that's about as high a praise as I can give. There are tremendous similarities between those two guys. I know there's only one Patrice and I've loved that guy forever and, and couldn't respect the player more. But again, Patrice doesn't win scoring championships. He's not up for the heart trophy. Yes, he will win probably another Selkie, but to the Boston Bruins or any other team that he's ever been involved with, get it done without him. That to me is Elias Lindholm. Hey, break yeah. down, break down the net mining for me here, because I've been fascinated by the way uh, they have been uh, utilized. And, and sometimes I go, I don't. In what I, respect? Well, it's just, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, okay, why would you make the change there? Like, why would you go with this guy over that guy in that particular game. Now, I'm not an NHL coach. The guy behind the Calgary bench certainly is. He knows exactly which levers to pull at the right time. But uh, what what happens here? Is there going to be one guy that's going to run the whole? It's got to be. It's got to be Markstrom. It's going to go the whole oh, way course. here because you got to be it's careful. Markstrom. Here. It's been Markstrom the whole way all season, and yeah. for good reason. Um, you know, Daryl's philosophy is this: 
this guy has everything mapped out to a science. Like he does right. not get enough. This guy, this is a brilliant guy. Yeah. On the outside, you might not think that sometimes. No, he's sharp. But 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 he like most of the time he's playing chess and we're playing checkers. Totally. So well, <laughs> I asked him early in the year. Okay. Okay. Uh, what do you think about your starting goaltender? Well. We pay him $6 million a year. That's why we brought him here. He's a number one guy. I want him to play 3,500 minutes. That's generally what I look for from a starting number one goaltender. I think he played 36-56 when it was all said and done. Right. Um, It became very consistent in how he used him. He didn't use him a lot in road back-to-backs. Played him a ton at home. It's always harder you know, I remember John Garrett saying to me when we worked together years ago that he always thought it was easier for a rookie goalie to get his feet wet on the road. So Vladar, who did an excellent job yes. in his role, but no, that's... And, and the other thing about Jacob is, like, Bryn, I, I don't get frustrated, but in this market, and you worked here, so you and I share something. We've both worked in each other's markets, yeah. This goaltending thing drives me freaking bananas. I heard like every time Markstrom was going to play a run of games, it was like, when's the other guy going to play? Yeah. And I'm like, you waited for another Mika Kiprasov <laughs> for a hundred years. And now you've got one and you're more concerned about when the other guy's going to play. Stop. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah. Like, and, and in this town, and I get it, Mika is a lead. He's, he, when, when I was, since I've been here, outside of maybe Lindholm, Mika was my most favorite guy to watch in terms of my appreciation for what he did each and every single night. That's, that's, so I understand why he's revered and why he is loved. And I think in this town, there, there are people that feel like it's sacrilege if you like somebody other than him. <laughs> that might be a Canadian issue in any Canadian market. You know, it's a, I, I'm with you, Pete, because I'll tell you what, and, and all of us are old enough to remember, um, you know, guys can play 65 games, 60-plus um, games. The travel now is better than it's ever been. Now that we're out of this COVID uh, situation, the travel, the medical attention you get, the day off, uh, you know, rest or slash exercise you can get, mandated days off. um, Go with your guy if, you know what, what you do, and Daryl, I love how you characterize him. Anybody who thinks Daryl's kind of a, the Rube cowboy, they have no clue who they're dealing with because he is smart and he's clever like the Fox. Oh, Um, he knows as a player when a guy can go. And the first thing a good coach does somewhere along the line, you'll say Jacob or Jake, whatever he calls him, you good to go. Just not that, not that the player makes the call, but he knows where the player's at. And if a player says, you know, nah, I don't feel right, I don't feel good, a smart coach takes that into account. But 
a guy can play most nights. It doesn't matter how much he makes. This seems to be a new thing where we need a a 50-32 split or or something. Go with your guy. Ride the you go with the horse he rode in on, no? Do, do, do we luck to bench Johnny Gaudreau every third yeah. game because he might get tired or might get hurt? Yeah. <laughs> now, listen. Okay, I understand. Ask Nashville what it's like right now with their goaltending situation. Yeah. So, yes, you want your best guy in the best condition he can be in going into the playoffs. Yeah. But, but my other part of the argument is, guys, is this. So I'm okay with managing Jacob, and guess what? Once they clinched the division and clinched the playoff spot, guess what they did? They gave him four days off, and then he played one game. And now he's got four days off after playing Thursday in Minnesota. That's plenty. That's plenty. Yeah. So, again, and and – you know, this conversation will start way back. It started in October. And my thing is always, A, I don't pay this guy to sit. Right. And B, if I don't have playoffs to manage, what the hell am I worried about managing it before? Like, I got to get there first. Correct. <laughs> hey, uh, who's going to be the guy that's going to come out of the woodwork here in the playoffs? Because we know the top two lines always get checked to death. I'm I'm a big pro- proponent of your bottom six guys can really give your top six yeah. guys a lot of space by scoring the odd goal. Who's going to be the guy to come out of the woodwork for the Flames? Well, I look at it this way: in Calgary this year, um, you know, acquiring Yarn Croak, who was acquired then got really sick, and now has come back. I think is going to be a big piece. But believe it or not. Because of what you said, Bryn, I, I think the most key line for the Calgary Flames offensively to have a long run is the Backlund line. Okay. When Michael Backlund is a terrific, not defensive player, but a two-way player and is a threat to score, this team doesn't lose very many games. Michael, and, and listen, he's my, like, I wouldn't go to dinner truth, truthfully with too many guys, and they sure as heck don't want to go for dinner with me. That's a starter. You could go but, with Michael, though. He's a great guy to talk listen, to. Listen, as you know, he is he is everything about a human in professional sports that you would want. I've yeah. been cheering for him forever. Um, and now I cheer for people more than I do for teams, except when they wear the Maple Leaf, but that's a long other story. <laughs> that you, one's never you, going You're away, talking about the Red Maple Leaf. You're it. talking Red Maple Leaf here. Let's clarify that. Yeah, talking, I, yeah, the, yeah. To hell with the guys in Toronto. Too. Yeah, okay. Right. Um, I had that go around for many years as well. Uh, but but yeah, I I think that line, and I think Blake Coleman, and not just because he did it in Tampa, right. and and you know they don't have the same kind of Gord, Goudreau, Coleman line here, but you know. Two guys for me. And if I had an X factor up front, it's Dylan Dubé. Okay. And the thing I've always loved about Dylan, and and I find in sports, when it happens early, it's not a coincidence. Dylan 
in the spotlight has always been good. As a 16-year-old at the Memorial Cup, excellent in two world juniors, including the second one when he was a captain. In the bubble in Edmonton a couple of years ago, he was one of their best forwards. And he is he's on a roll right now going in. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. But Backlund needs to be at a really, really high level. And an X factor for me is Dylan Dubin. Well, I hope we talk again in a couple of weeks. That'll be a lot of fun, even though some of us are looking forward to it more than others. But before yeah. I let you go here, uh-huh. okay, so how do you see the series playing out? Jack didn't really give us an answer. He did say it was going to be close, but what about this series that you're going to be watching? Well, I don't make predictions, so yes. I'm not going to make one here. Okay. Um, are you traveling at least on the road? Are you going to have a shot at fresh seasonal berries in Dallas? Are you going? Nope. No. So everybody's staying home? I don't even think we're going to go to Edmonton if it happens. Real uh, Now, I find that hard to believe. Well. Because you know what it's going to be like. I, call, it, call me right Call me right before the series if it happens. Yeah. And if I'm doing it from the hotel across the street. Well, we'll drag you If I'm doing here. it from my rental for yeah, the okay. hockey season here in Calgary, then you'll know the answer. Gotcha. Super. Hey, I, uh, I think it's going to... I don't know what would happen. I really, uh, you know, Daryl has said all year he thought that the division ran through Vegas and Edmonton. Um, I thought that, that too. But but again, in the case of Vegas, everything that could have gone wrong, injuries, like it just, hey, in sports, and they were due. After yeah, the run sure. they had for the first four years, they probably, you know, Hockey gods probably came along and went, you know, you guys should get a little reality down there because you really <laughs> haven't had any. Um, I think it's a pick em series. I think Jacob Markstrom will have to be Calgary's best player. Right. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to see in that series how the top guys handle the pressure. Well, listen, we'll let you roll. Have some fun. You got some game prep to do today, even though it starts up on Tuesday. So uh, enjoy the kind of day off before you really dig in here, because it's going to be it's going to be a long run for a couple of teams. I think yours is going to be one of them. I uh, I've come to learn in sports. You never there's know. a reason they play them. That's you have no idea, which is kind of the beauty. Just like you two, two beauties. Well, <laughs> all right, guys. I got to say one last day. thing too. You know why they call it the yeah. Stanley Cup playoffs? Because you can't call it goalie. That's a dumb name for the playoffs because it always seems to boil down to the goaltending, so let's watch carefully. I don't, I don't disagree with that. Say hi to your partner for us. We'll be talking I, I to him in a couple okay. of weeks as well. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks, See you, Pete. So here we are. It's the spring, and hey, look who's in the studio. Brent McIntosh from the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. How you doing? I'm well. How are you, Brent? Great. It's nice to have you in here. The spring is here. And things are getting busy? Spring has sprung and the market is on fire, Bryn. Absolutely incredible. For single-family houses, anyway, in Edmonton. Really? And it's just kind of flipped the switch, huh? I've never seen an increase in values this much in the last 30 days. Absolutely incredible. Edmonton's uh, growth for the single-family market. And and I, I can't put a pinpoint on why, but it's pretty awesome if you own a house in Edmonton. Now, with the economy the way it is, and it's just kind of crazy right now with everything that's going on in the world... How is that affecting us? That's a great question. 
Um, do you want some time to think about I it? I do. Yeah. I, I don't know if, if, you know, it's not like Edmonton's completely insulated from everything, but yeah. you know, when we, when, if we're talking about the Russian war, for example, and, and the yeah. price of oil, that's nothing but a good thing for all of Alberta. So that's going to drive the house unfortunate prices. positive of that's a right. horrible negative. It, of, of course, uh, every time you pay more at the gas pump, it's, it's brutal as a family, but pretty good for the economy. Yeah. So how do people get, I know, how do people get involved? If they're thinking about it, now's the time to move, right? Well, definitely. If you're thinking about selling, I can't think of a better time to give us a call. We're at 780-464-0075. And either myself or one of my team members would be happy to meet with you to talk about the sale of your property. What about getting an evaluation done on their house if they're looking at selling? Yeah, that's where we'll start. Completely complimentary. No obligation. And we'll come, we'll sit down, we'll talk about the value, we'll show what's going on in the market. And we'll even give you the seller some tips on how to get the most out of their house. Perfect. So once again, how do people get a hold of you? 780-464-0075 or on the web, macintoshgroup.ca. And here you are in the sports thing. It's yeah. nice to have you here. Well, I, I, I love watching you guys do the sports show. Excellent. Thanks. Okay, well, that's it for this episode of The Outsiders, which is powered by the Macintosh Group at REMAX River City. Robin, before we go, and who knows when people are going to download this, but we can't worry about that when the Stanley Cup playoffs are getting rolling. Let's yep. uh, let's give our predictions quickly for the first round of the playoffs. Let's rattle through it. I'm not going to get into breakdowns. I'm just going to tell you who I think is going to win and how many games. So let's start with the Oilers and the Kings. Who you got in that one? Uh, Oilers in five games. Okay. I have the Oilers in seven. There's Ooh. the Flames and the Stars. How about that one? Flames in five. I'm with you on that. We have the Avalanche taking on the Predators. Whew. Denver. Denver in five. Okay. And I'm actually going, I'm taking the Avs in five as well. Blues in the Wild to wrap things up in the Western Conference. Well, you take the first one for okay, one. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm actually taking St. Louis in five. I'm, I'm just kidding. Minnesota. I'm kidding. I'm not taking St. Louis in five. Okay. I'm actually, I'm actually taking the, uh, I'm taking the wild in six. Yes. As am I. Okay. There you go. Over in the Eastern conference. I want to get a reaction out of you though, on that one. Uh, <laughs> but that's going to be a great series. The blues and the wild. Okay. Should over, in, over in the East, the Tampa Bay lightning, the defending until we have a new champ, the defending, the two time defending Stanley cup champion, Tampa Bay lightning, Playing a team that hasn't won in the playoffs the first round since 2004, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Who you got? Oh, the Lightning shouldn't even show up for this. They they have no chance to beat Austin Matthews and the Maple Leafs. Uh, I'm going Lightning in six. <laughs> I, I see what you did there. And uh, I, too, am taking Tampa in six. Uh, however, they've just been so uh, mercurial over the last two months where I'm going – is like seriously. However, they have the power just to pick it up in one period and win. But they, I haven't seen them play a full sixty-minute game in a while. But I've been tuning in a lot lately. Florida and Washington. Oh, Panthers and five. That's what I got. Uh, I'll give you mine right off the top here. Carolina and Boston. I am taking the Hurricanes in six. We agree again. I, I think it could be even sooner, I, quicker than that. Okay. But let's say six, uh, I, I, five or six, yeah, for All sure. Right. And the New York Rangers and the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm Dude. going with the New York Rangers in six games. Oh, yes, we, we uh, fools seldom differ yet okay. again. I, that's what I have. I have the, I have the uh, 
Rangers in six games. Okay. I just think that they have done so many wonderful things this season, quietly, which is really shocking when you consider that it's only the media capital of the world. And then New York City. Until Sid, you know, unless uh, unless Sidney Crosby shaves 10 years off his yeah. uh, body clock and, and <laughs> goes mercurial again because – I tell you what, he's still a player, and it makes me nervous. But, the, I mean, the Rangers are a, a, a much better hockey club. Pittsburgh also got great goaltending out of Tristan Jerry's, who, who is in, in yeah. a situation where I think it's very questionable where he's going to jump in in the postseason. We'll see. And, yeah. and as for Sid, all the respect in the world. I love Sidney Crosby. I think he's fantastic. However, watching the Oilers game in Pittsburgh last week, I didn't even was he even playing? I know. I didn't even notice it. It was really, it, I found it actually kind of sad. That's how I viewed it. However, when you're used to playing way up here and then you come down with the rest of the pack, it's quite noticeable to me. But uh, I, I, I'm cheering for him. I hope he does well That's, here in the postseason. But he's also had a hell of a run. Yeah. So I, uh, uh, before we go. Yes. Uh, and off the playoff. Uh, track uh de la fleur yeah Whew. yeah that was, that was tough news it's been a tough tough few weeks has it not mike, mike bossy now uh de la fleur watching the people uh file uh into the bell center uh to see him off before his service uh i don't know if you saw it bryn yes um george lorac showed a very good picture of uh, somebody must've taken a picture of George waiting in line to see uh, Lafleur yeah. with all yeah. the, with, with the coffin and the banners and the background it was taken from behind him. And uh, I tell you what, I don't know why that hits so hard. I mean, I, I was the Islanders fan and uh, you know, bossy was enough, but this one is like, really? I mean, maybe it's the cumulative total uh, of the two of them so close together, but Man, that's a big chunk of hockey history in a short time to have to say farewell to, isn't it? Yeah, and the other thing, too, is Mike Bossy was uh, so instrumental in the New York Islanders' monstrous run in the 80s. There's just something about Guy. Now, we're in Canada, too, so your Saturday night game is for the longest time, even before the yeah. uh, Western, or sorry, the uh, World Hockey Association was merged with the NHL. Guy and the Montreal Canadiens through the 70s, were, were they were a staple. You saw them every Saturday night. Yeah. Generally here in Alberta, we saw the Leafs on Wednesday night. But it, it, was, it was a tough one for me, and I'm with you. And like I said, losing Mike Bossy is difficult, but losing Guy Lafleur was just at the next level. Yeah. However, there's one thing the Montreal Canadiens do better than any other team. They just honor their history far better than anyone else. I, I And I know there's going to be some people who are – going to debate that. And, and to me, they just seem to know how to do it. They know how to, uh, to say hello. And they know how to say uh, goodbye to their, their, uh, their veteran players. Never forget. Uh, never forget rocket Richard's last appearance at, the, uh, well, yeah. At the rink. At the and, form. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable. It was, it was yeah, unbelievable is a good word. But anyway, uh, we should not be getting, what's the term, verklempt uh, at the end here. But I don't want to get was, melancholy. We have the postseason yeah. starting up, Robin. 
Yeah, time to get revved up. Not, uh, not. But you know what? Tough week now. Let's uh, we move on to what people wait for, uh, and especially around here, the playoffs, the regular season doesn't mean a damn thing unless the Oilers go uh, at least at least a couple of rounds deep. Make sure you check us out on Twitter. The handle's really simple. It's at Outsiders2020. And also tell your friends to subscribe to our RSS feed or follow our RSS feed on any of your favorite of your candy sites like Apple, Google, Spotify, etc., etc. We're also on YouTube. Robin records from the Lucky Sam studio in southwest Edmonton. I'm at the Road 55 studio in downtown Edmonton. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hey, like once again, just retweet... We, uh, we tweet out a fair bit on our uh, Outsiders handle, so make sure you retweet the fact that uh, our latest podcast is out there so that some of your friends who probably don't even know we exist now know we exist. It's all been part of the fun for us over the last couple of years as we're now way past the 100 mark on this podcast. So, hey, Robin, before we go, I believe it was a wise young man who once said, Play La Bamba, baby. Yeah, so let's play La Bamba. <laughs> ben, we're with you, kiddo. Man, yes, he's been indeed. an inspiration. He has been fun to watch, and he's having such a good time. I hope he has a good time through the entire playoffs. He's going to be in Los Angeles. Did you know that? For games yes, three indeed. and four. Hey, a little a little Disneyland and a little uh, uh, L.A. Kings. What do they call that? What do they call in the Staples Center now? The Crypto... The Crypto.com uh, Arena. That's Staples Center to me. Sorry. It still is. And uh, I don't think they'll be doing it, but... All right, listen, we'll talk to you later, okay? Okay, see you. Enjoy the playoffs, by the way. Bye-bye, boys! Have fun storming the castle! Road 55.